0: oh craigie you came and you recorded our voice we gave you no choice oh craigly hey hey happy
1: 2021
0: <laughs> Glad you enjoyed the like... long slumber between our episodes.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, only for us. Nobody else is going to notice that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's true. They're going
1: to think the slumber came before the last one. <laughs> mm. So I don't even that's know why I on. I'm. I'm going to delete that note to you. No, actually, me, just editor, delete that so that nobody knows I just did that.
0: Well, you know, you, or you could leave it in there and just—it's an artifact of detail—the the, the wake of 2020. Time is still note to the a, editor a tizzy. Mute King Monkey. Yeah, that's also worthwhile. Also worthwhile.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, even if we had put out an episode that first Monday,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I feel like there still would have been a huge break. So,
0: because yeah. Yeah, the
1: world's on fire.
0: How about yours? That's the way I like <laughs> it, though. I never get bored.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely don't <laughs> want things to settle down too much.
0: Yeah. All I can say is is <sighs> over. Good riddance. Yeah.
1: Twenty twenty one. Please stop it. <laughs> please
0: don't stop be it. like your big brother.
1: By the time this comes out, I hope you've made things a little bit better.
0: Yeah, like because
1: the way they started so far, I, I don't I'm not okay with this. I have, okay with this. I have some notes.
0: I have some notes.
1: I have a year's worth of notes at this point in the year already.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yep. But luckily, as you say, that's all in the distant past when we recorded it, and now yep. when the episode is out, everything is fine. I'm glad that it's Utopia now, you know?
1: Definitely. It's, oh, it was
0: a while yeah. in coming. It's a while so in coming. I'm so glad
1: that we were so forward-thinking to get all these recorded so far in advance.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: Pretty much, we have like a thousand years of recordings before we started releasing episodes, which is great.
0: Yeah, I mean... If you're willing to put in the work, there's nothing that you can't achieve.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Whoever said, if you plan for every eventuality, you never get off the... I don't know, whatever they said. Something
0: like that. <laughs> <laughs> if you plan for every eventuality, you'll never get off the train. Yeah.
1: You know, well, stop
0: planning. you got to do something at one point. Otherwise, all the planning's for nothing.
1: You know, something along the lines of, if you plan too much, you'll never actually take action. I don't know. No, it was it was thought provoking at the time. I don't care now.
0: Honestly, I think the one quote that I like about uh, about it is um, was it something to the effect of "Plans are useless. Planning is essential." That's pretty good. Yeah, knowing that your plans may have no value, but the ability to plan is really key.
1: Yeah. Well, and and the act of planning. Yeah. Isn't useless just because first contact with the enemy or player characters ruins everything you've planned. Yeah, first contact with the
0: players. First contact with the players, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, my players, we had a session today, and I had a a route that they were supposed to take. Or, no, not that they were supposed to take, that I had planned for them taking. And they immediately did a 180 and got themselves out of there. Which, you know how players are. You know how players are. You dangle a shiny thing in front of them, and they're like, ooh, the shiny thing. Yeah, yeah. It just so happened that the shiny plot point in front of them happened to be uh, a, a colossal gaping maw at the bottom of an underground cavern that whose walls were covered with uh, living arms. And for some reason, they were like, no, this doesn't appeal. I'm like, you're players. What? How can that not that appeal literally to literally
1: you? Is, in, is beckoning you to join them.
0: It was they. If one of them actually swore at it in infernal, and it responded saying, "We we are the kings in filth, and we are we we are waiting for you," like that's an invitation. The kings in filth don't just invite anybody.
1: Yeah, I <sighs> believe I believe Creed said it best with arms wide open, mm. arms, lots of arms, wide so many open, arms.
0: and a, ready for you, and a big old mouth. I mean, it wouldn't have killed them. Not that they didn't know that, but. It wouldn't have killed them. It just would have taken them into an unholy netherworld, just kind of shaped like the bowels of a great entity where kings were being punished for their uh, crimes in real life.
1: Yeah, I mean, who doesn't want to see that? This was Rich the kids' people game. They're right just way. desserts.
0: This was my kids' game. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> I I had a similar but very different experience <laughs> because they weren't kids. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying,
0: (laughs) you got to give kids these life lessons early, right?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fight the power.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Or else you're going to end up in the intestines of an elder god.
1: I have been teasing my players with what's actually going on. They've been moving mysteriously between things, and they finally got to the final stage of this part of the adventure. Right. And I'm like, finally, they're going to be able to explore the mystery box a little bit. And so I've got this whole thing where... I tell them, I'm like, you're in this giant cavernous space, looks like a big city, that should be ringing bells because nothing else has looked like a big city, mm-hmm. and there are four new constructions that look like massive warehouses, thinking, hey, new construction yeah. right in front of you. Obviously, they're going to want to look in at least one, right? Of course. Nope. Nope. They're like, you know what? <laughs> Go to the big building in the center, screw everything else, I'm tired of this place. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. That looks
0: like something the DM was planning on. Let's go around it!
1: I just, just, like, I... I
0: love you guys!
1: This would... I have no problem with this, I just kind of thought you'd play in the world a little more, and every time I think you're gonna play, you run away, and I just want to play, too!
0: Just look, God, <laughs> just go in the thing that I made for you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you take a step forward, and you appear in front of the door for the, to a warehouse. Yep. You, you will go in.
0: <laughs> I control the world. That's it. Oh. We control the vertical. We control the horizontal.
1: I think what we need to get us on track to continue our series on building characters. Yep, characters, not character. Characters. We don't need any of that.
0: Right. <laughs> it's a lost cause at this point. I think
1: we need a random verb of the <laughs> week. So I'm going to find one.
0: If only there were a user in whose name we could invoke such a such a tradition.
1: If only, but if only,
0: not. nope. None.
1: If only. So your random verb of mm-hmm. the week, open for sponsorship at any point, yep. is print. print Print. Okay.
0: No, None. print. Edric the Bard was meant to inscribe his name upon the sacred scroll, but he had had one too many dwarven brandies and had to print it rather remedially.
1: So inscribing is different than printing?
0: Yes. Inscribing is like full-on flourishing calligraphy writing that you do on the spot with bardic eloquence, whereas he just broke it down in block letters like a preschooler, you know?
1: You know, I'm not sure that holds up. No. Let me...
0: You don't You don't think Edric the Bard, after a few too many brandies, would lose the ability to...
1: Oh, no, no, that part makes total sense. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about your interpretation of inscribe. Sure. So let's look that up and find out.
0: Pretty sure inscribed literally just means write.
1: Write an informal dedication to, Mm -hmm. mark an object with characters. There you go. Write or carve words or symbols on something, especially Mm -hmm. as a formal or permanent record. There you go. Wait, wait, wait. Mm -hmm. His name was inscribed on the new silver trophy, so that I think kind of proves that it can go either way. Draw a figure within another so that their boundaries touch but do not intersect. Oh. (laughs) Who's, I, um, whose
0: boundaries are is Edric <laughs> touching?
1: <laughs> yeah, a figure.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm just saying.
1: <laughs> All right, it's healthily.
0: Well, it's there's come on.
1: <laughs> let's. Uh, He's not let's a move on very Quickly, because we are Devolving? quickly getting off topic. Oh, yeah. Unlike normal. Wait,
0: yeah, you're record? right. It's. I did hit record. <laughs> it's well out of the norm for
1: us to meander so aimlessly. So last time we talked about the how we go about building characters, and why you might make a character, what sort of pitfalls to avoid in general, no sweeping declarations of, this is the only right way to do it, except for those that we made, Mm -hmm. and some other stuff. I don't know. Whatever.
0: Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Who listens to the podcast, anyway? Not me.
1: Not many people.
0: But I mean, honestly, it... It's like there can be no one way to do it just because there are different games, there are different players, and each right. one is going to require – like if you set out to make a character in tune with a Shadowrun mindset, A, you're a monster. B, you will get it wrong in a game where you cannot <laughs> get it wrong, <laughs> right?
1: And, and, and that is exactly what we're talking about today, <gasps> is the story considerations when you build a character. And the mechanical considerations when you build a character, because if you're in Shadowrun, you're probably not going to build a wilderness-themed character unless you're in a very niche part of Shadowrun that's going out into the wilderness, and then everyone's building that. Kind
0: oh, of character. a doomsday prepper in Shadowrun.
1: If you if you build a, <laughs> it's
0: a little bit late to the gate there, though, <laughs> doomsday's already happened.
1: If you build a wilderness-focused character in mm-hmm. Shadowrun, you're not going to have as much to do. So that's where I, when I say mechanical considerations, you want to sure, make yeah. sure your character can contribute because that'll make you happy. That'll make your char- your other f- players happy, and that'll make your GM happy.
0: Yeah, for sure. And you want to keep the GM happy to some extent.
1: And story considerations, we've talked about it on and off here and there. Like you don't, if you're making a a character who's part of a group,
0: if you're making a character who's got like tune levels of goofiness, but you're playing in World of Darkness. You're you're gonna be in a, a weird splinter sticking out, and it can be disruptive to the game.
1: Yes, and I want to I want to address something here. He doesn't listen, so I feel I don't feel bad calling him out at all. Mm-hmm. But Eli has a tendency to make ridiculous characters and justify it by saying, "Well, they take it completely seriously." Now, nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't fit every tone. It, but when you use They take it seriously as your justification. It's sort of like saying, that's what my character would do.
0: Which can be a problem if you're using that as an excuse to be a jerk.
1: If you use it or you overuse it or you use Mm -hmm. it to justify silly things all the time, it's like, I mean, it's like eating carrots. Carrots are healthy. Eat too many of them. It's bad for you. Yeah. You do a thing too many times. It's bad for you in the game. So I'm not really calling Eli out. He's just the one that comes to mind when I think of this particular trope
0: yeah i mean on the flip side i have him in one of my games and it's exactly that case where it's the werewolf game uh and he's playing Makole which are the uh crocodile changing breed so it is very much the odd one out but i was able to incorporate it by um basically one of the plot threads originated elsewhere um to get them into this fictional city and that worked out very well for me because i wanted something from the south so his character from the south you know, I was able to have the, the pack, if you will, if you're familiar with werewolf. Uh, the pack is something that's often gathered together under a totem spirit. And because I had decided that their totem spirit was coyote, the trickster, oh. co- of course, the trickster would, would get a kick out of suddenly l- lumping in a were crocodile with all the werewolves. So yes, it's absolutely an odd one out. Yes, I trusted that he wasn't going to use it to be disruptive, and I was able to use that to weave plot threads together in a different way. Yeah. So, so
1: it's just, it's one of those things that you want to consider it.
0: Know thy player.
1: And you want to be open with your GM about it. And as a GM, you also want to talk to any of those kind of weird things that come out. I'm working with a player who wants to join our game, and my in real life game, <gasps> and they asked about playing a bear. And I'm like, well, no, just a bear. You're like they wanted to play a bear as their character. Okay. And I'm like, I can work with that idea. It's not going to work exactly mechanically like you want because X, Y, Z reasons that I'm working against to balance things. But if you want to be a bear, I can work with that idea. You just got to be willing to compromise with me. And as soon as he realized he wasn't getting it the way he wanted, he's like, well, I'll try a different idea. So okay. that's why I say you got to be willing to work. And and we've talked about this before. Don't be too precious with any of your ideas because you yeah. might miss out on something fun.
0: Yeah. So like in your case, the guy was willing to just say, ah, it's more effort than it's worth or it's not what I wanted. So we'll do something else. Whereas on my side, I was able to use Eli's suggestion to do something different to a specific effect in the
1: game. Right. Well, and, and what he said, like his character idea, I love the idea. And I immediately had a bunch of ideas ways to work things in. Okay. He, it was going to fit perfectly into the next place that I was going to introduce him in. I was like, this works great. I love this. I have a bunch of ideas. Like, But the specific system you're trying to use won't work in the game we're playing because it's designed this way, and I'm playing the game using this set of design considerations, so it, it doesn't quite fit. But I can use that idea and still make it work. It just will be mechanically a little different. You can still play him exactly like you envision. And he was just like, no, no, if it's not a bear, <laughs> bear or nothing, I'm out. Yeah. And and that kind of thought process, because I know this cl- player, I know that that's a bad thing for him. It's not bad in general, Okay. but knowing your players, again is important because I can tell that this is, this is setting up bad habits for him.
0: Mm -hmm. Whereas I know that I can trust Eli's play style to not be like, I've had uh, someone in a superhero game play a character that they, they mentioned later on that they play this game, uh, this character in different iterations in different games. And it was completely, it was completely out of place. I took a chance on the player that I didn't know. And I Mm -hmm. found that the character did not fit in because it was in a character intended for every game. It didn't fit in in every game. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like when it when you are designed for every role, you don't fit into one role. Right. Uh, so that was the that was the issue that I had there.
1: And that's a perfect that's a perfect segue into kind of why I wanted this to be its own topic because play by post has a high risk and reward trade off. Like, you're, you're going to put yourself out there, you're going to put a character out there a lot of times generally, and get one or two games back. And they may or may not last very long. Yeah. So you might get burnt out. It's kind of like, like online dating, where eventually you're going to stop putting well-thought-out responses if all you get is nothing back, and you're going to start putting copy-pasted responses, or you're going to start sending out, hi there, or hey, what's up? Yeah. You're going to start trying to reuse characters, and that's where... Story considerations become very important. Does the character you want to bring in fit into the story that's being told, into the world that's being used? And if they don't, are you willing and able to tweak them to fit?
0: Yeah. For example, if you wanted to, if you wanted to import a World of Darkness character, a a deep and tortured, angsty vampire into a game of Toon, that can work. But you are going to be the straight man and the butt of the joke. If you try and take a character from Toon who's a, a, a clown coyote and import them into world of darkness is just not going to work. Re- mechanical considerations, regardless, the tone does not work when you reverse the directions. Like you can have any number of serious characters in a cartoon, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yeah,
1: Cause it's a, it's a core part of comedy.
0: The straight guy. Yeah. Yep. Um, but uh, if you have this goofy wisecracking character, um, who's, over the top clowny in a game of World of Darkness if they're not like specifically the Malkavian vampires it's going to be very difficult to maintain the tone uh or theme of your story you know it becomes disruptive yeah. or uh, sometimes even becomes the focus of too much attention and then everybody starts joking right
1: yeah yeah and and with some of these characters that you might try and port over they they may fit the tone but so much of their backstory is either too generic that you have to then write more specific stuff, and that ends up changing the character, or, or too specific. It's too specific, yeah. and you ch- you write rewrite parts of it to fit, and again, it changes the character. So it's I think we've said it before. I think it's always better to try and start fresh with each new game, even if you use like like I did for the one I talked about last time. Start with something I've tried before. Use the ideas. Yeah, it was kernels, the it was right? the idea. I, I wanted someone who was a good liar, mm-hmm. and I, I wanted that to be the focus. But I wanted it to fit the game, and I wanted it to fit the party. And so I started with that base idea and just built a new character off that. You can take the seeds and plant them in new soil. To use a metaphor,
0: is that no. that how metaphors work,
1: or is that a simile? I can never remember which one <laughs> is which. I don't know. It was it's meta- something. Simile, it's a comparison, yeah. without using like or as whichever one that is metaphor. I figured <laughs> it's not well, a similea. yeah. You,
0: you had it. You had it right. I just wanted to make sure that you were aware you were using it right. And if not, take an opportunity to make you very uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I, you know what? I, like, I, I got this.
0: It. I'm walking into the room. Hey, are you wearing pants? Oh my God. am I wearing pants? Yeah. <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> I, I do that to people too. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's fair. <laughs>
1: Hey, you know what we haven't had so far? We haven't had any of those weird technical glitches we had last time, last couple times.
0: Oh, um.
1: Where like, we just stop hearing one or the other and it just all of a sudden catches up.
0: You want me to reboot my laptop just to, (laughs) just to create a disruption?
1: (laughs) No, I just had, I just realized I'm like, Hey, we've been having, so, so maybe it's the Aquilina is the problem.
0: I wasn't going to shine too much of a light on it, but in general, whenever anything goes wrong in my life, I blame the Aquilina.
1: It's fair. I do too. I mean, (laughs) I I rolled over the other day and I I caught a snag in my sheet, tore it, and I was like, "Dang it, Di Aquilina!" No kidding. I like that guy. Just yeah. I was just trying to relax, Mm -hmm. play some Nintendo Switch, and then go to bed. But no. Yeah, I mean, my sheets.
0: You're not even in the same city as as him, like I am. And now we have 25 centimeters of snow out there.
1: Wait, what's that in real measurements?
0: 25 centimeters. Oh, or no, did no. you want it in American? I uh, want it
1: in real measurements. 30, yeah, centimeters
0: is one, 30 centimeters is one foot, so it's like
1: five-sixths
0: of a... Yeah, just, just under a foot of snow. <laughs> Wait, and,
1: and now you're going to throw fractions at me? Oh, my God. I don't want <laughs> fractions.
0: I know math and fractions. Also, De Aquilina's fault that yep, I yep. Dang you, Aquilina. it,
1: Aquilina! You and Craig, you're on my list. Wait, I wonder if Craig's still recording.
0: <laughs> looks like it. Hey, Craig. Yeah, it looks Craig, like he's still You're good. still doing your job, Craig. <laughs> uh,
1: what are you... Yeah, I guess I guess he's past the festivities now, so he he's not drunk constantly.
0: No, now he's just into depression. <sighs> I think. Yeah,
1: he's like, fine, I'll record.
0: <sighs> yeah. Say
1: my name. Say my name. Say me. What?
0: You told me to say your name. I oh. Wasn't sure I where where you're going with that, but. <laughs> I played along. Playing along. Playing along.
1: What are some things that you specifically, when making a character for a game, or an NPC even, look for? What, like, how do you ground them to make them feel part of the story or the world a little better?
0: Okay, um, just off the top of my head, I'm thinking of a game uh, that I participated in a few months ago as of the time of this recording. Um, okay. Like some games, it did come to an end. Um. So basically, you had a world that had been separated from uh, the pre- the old continents or the old world, if you will, by a mystical barrier for generations, and there was a single point where, like a a midpoint island, where people were able to converse with the humans who lived on the other side. Um, but that had fallen in- into disuse, and now basically contact with the human world had been lost. So now you just had the uh the non human races living on this other continent. And we are the the non human races. Mm-hmm. The way has now been opened. And people are uh the adventure is various characters with different motivations are on this ship to go across to the to the human worlds to figure out what's going on. So the consideration I had for my character um, was trying to figure out why is my character on that boat specifically? Um, not, uh, and you know, some people will be doing it for the adventure of finding the reopened world. Um, my character, I had him as the son of a, of a wealthy dragonborn merchant house who had no interest in being a merchant, wanted to be an officer and a soldier, but his family, his influential family basically dictated the course of his life. And so he is on that boat because he is providing money for the mission or for the expedition. And his family is providing the boats. He's there to be the face of contact in order to secure priority trade routes with the humans if they can run into them.
1: So a representation of the the wallet.
0: Yeah, basically. Um, We are going to help you guys make contact with the New World and we want a cut of the profits. So mine was purely a story consideration. It was Dungeons and Dragons fifth edition. Uh, So mechanically there was nothing specially out of the ordinary I wanted to do other than the fact that this guy is a gifted fighter. Um, Mm -hmm. He's a dragonborn. He wants to be an officer, but he's not especially good at it. Um, He's like, he's a good fighter. I think I made him a battle master. No champion. I made him a champion. So it's like, He's he's really good at the physical aspect of fighting. He's not good at giving commands because of his low charisma. So that was the mm-hmm. mechanical consideration. You know, he's not a pleasant person, but he if if he has your back in a fight, you're good, right? He's a prime physical specimen.
1: So you know, there's there's at least part of this journey that's on boat. I don't know if the whole journey is going to be on boat, but at least part of it's on boat. Yeah did did you take did you do anything either in the background that gives them Like, experience on a boat or, like, skill-wise that gives them some edge up when doing stuff? Or did you think, like, oh, he might need to clear a gap between boats or I'm going to make sure he's able to jump that space?
0: Mechanically speaking, I, I mean, I gave him the sailor background. Okay. I figured that he was never terribly gifted in the financial side of his family's dealings. But he has been raised around ships for much of his life because that's what mm. these merchant, like, that's the specialty of his merchant family. It wasn't inland trading, it was, you know, going around the coast or going to the islands or, you know, yeah. uh, by boat. So they're a wealthy marine uh, merchant marine family. He's yeah. got, uh, mechanically, he's got uh, the, the benefits of the sailor class. Um, the fact that he never wanted to do that, he just wanted to be a soldier and an officer, gave him the fighting. Uh, like the fighter class, the fact that he's not terribly charismatic meant that he did not excel in the leadership. So he did not take the battle master, but instead uh, the champion uh, subclass. Yeah. So, so yeah, so- it started off as a story consideration, but the story consideration kind of dictated how the mechanics would play out.
1: Yeah, and that's that's part of that's that's another thing I wanted to make sure that we touched on here is it doesn't have to go either direction, it doesn't have to go mechanical to story, It doesn't have to go story to mechanical, they don't have to necessarily interact perfectly, but
0: yeah, go back and forth. I feel a little like bit.
1: you tend to get a more f- full character and a more fully realized character when there is some play off the two.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because if I had gone making the rule the the leader thing,
1: yeah, and I don't I don't know the the leader uh, subclass as well, but I would assume there's stuff that in there that's like you know rallying troops and yeah. giving people bonuses, so it it wouldn't play off the story beat of well he just really likes the the nitty gritty of it, never really got into the
0: people higher side yeah.
1: echelon thinking of the family business side of it. Mm-hmm. Like you end up with this more physical character who kind of just charges in, tries to do things, but doesn't think, you know, corporately.
0: Yeah. He, he lacks a gift for strategy. Um, but you know, if you throw him out a door, you'll get through that
1: kind of deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so it's,
0: I think I made him a blue dragon, blue dragon born. Cause I think blue dragons tend to hang around the ocean if I'm not mistaken. But
1: Maybe? They have the lightning the light Lightning. lightning.
0: I just don't remember what their terrain was. I thought that they liked coastal areas.
1: I mean, I know our coastal dragon was of gilt and saffron.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, of course, everyone knows that gilt and saffron dragons love the water. Hang around at the <laughs> beach all the time.
1: You know? <laughs> we'll have to pull out that random... Hey, wait, hey, here's another 22 minute idea. 22 minutes of randomly generated things.
0: <laughs> yeah, randomly generated random generations with no particular goal in
1: mind. Yeah, I mean we've done we've done country songs, love songs, breakup letters, dragons, characters for Adventure Assemble, full quests. Yeah, we have to, we can do 20 min- two minutes of randomly stuff.
0: <laughs> It'll just be like each of us taking turns reading off a thing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, we create, we create boot. a list of yeah of random generators.
0: Oh we yeah, roll
1: to randomly determine which random generator we use, then we use that random generator to randomly generate a thing, mm-hmm. talk a little bit about it, and then back to the beginning. <laughs> Repeat for 22 minutes.
0: Ethereal boot writes a country song.
1: <laughs> yeah, and the last 10 minutes is is trying to string it all together into some <laughs> random actually workable thing.
0: <laughs> Sounds like an exercise in futility, but we'll see when we when our 22-minute episodes gotta come out then.
1: Yep. Yep. That definitely are going to happen. For sure. Definitely, definitely keep pushing these out without checking them, Birch. That's all you need to do.
0: Absolutely.
1: No worries ever. But back to our main topic. (laughs) You don't want to build a character in isolation away from the story they're going to be part of. And a dialogue with your players or with your GM Mm -hmm. are important to that aspect because you may see something and think oh this could work like i i recently joined uh, muggins game and it was this the idea was everyone is a weird exotic race mm-hmm. and this wizard is collecting them and creating some either doing experiments on them or creating a a zoo or even just selling them like who knows what they're actually doing sure and i was looking through some of the options i'm like oh i've got an idea what if i make a robot who is kind of quantum leaping through various realities instead of time yeah. and defending people. And I'm like, okay, but this is weird. Everybody else is these normal things. Yeah. So I, I went to the GM. I'm like, hey, here's the idea I'm having. Would this work or do I need to rework it a bit? He's like, nah, I love it. Let's go. And so I just kept pushing forward on that. But if he had said, no, nah, that sucks. Redo it. Like, you just got to accept it or say, well, this isn't the game for me.
0: Yeah, for sure the one thing you don't want to do is start whining that you didn't get your way but then refuse to walk out the door yes because that's not going to earn you any kind of favors
1: don't don't hang out in front of the gm you can i would say you can you can say here's what here's where i think it could still work if they if they tell you no mm-hmm. but you get you do that once if, if they say no a second time, and you've done it respectfully the second time, yeah. that's the important part. You don't just say, well, but but what about this? Because that's, no, that's whiny baby, ex- um, uh, uh, what's the word? Whiny entitlement. baby entitlement. Yeah. There you go. Yeah.
0: And you don't want to be a whiny entitled baby. You don't want to be a pathetic whiny entitled baby.
1: Yeah. You don't want to do that.
0: No. You want to- For sure. You
1: want to acknowledge it's their game, and you want- to also, But you also want to acknowledge that you as a player do have power in a situation, mm-hmm. and you do have a right to say, this is what would be fun for me. Is there a way we can work together to make it work? Like with the player I was talking about.
0: Yeah, they, for sure.
1: If if they see this bear character as super important or as very clear, like, and I say, well, you can't do it that way. But they see that as super important. They have a right to say, well, here's why I think it could work. But yeah. if they push it beyond that, and I still say no then it becomes less about can we work together and more about i want it i want it i want it i need it me yeah. now and no that's that's unacceptable in any situation yeah if I you mean, find yourself getting to that point walk away because either you're a jerk and you should remove yourself or you're in a situation that's bad and you should remove yourself
0: i have done um i have approached a concern that i had with the dm uh, once on the site I was playing um, it was a homebrew world so some of the information was a bit sparse my character was an mm-hmm. elven cleric of uh, the goddess called the mother so you get an idea for the mother archetype um, and basically I had access to uh, it was second edition D&D so it had access to healing and, and, and light spells and, and that kind of thing um, and I was n- not allowed to use any kind of dangerous weapons Um. That was sort of the ethos. I approached him and said, would I be able to have conditional access to the war school? Basically on the grounds that the mother archetype, the goddess, is kind and loving and caring until you threaten her children. At which point Mm. she will end you.
1: Yeah, you know, like a mother.
0: Like a mama bear. If you have ever approached a cub, (laughs) you've got an idea of what a a mama bear's reaction was. Yeah.
1: So basically we've all done that at some point.
0: And I also asked if I would be able to have access to use a bow and arrow, um, with the specific indication that the mother feeds the child, the mother will hunt to, to have food for the children. Mm -hmm. So the he presented his character, uh, his goddess restrictions to me. And then I came back to him and I said, these considerations, and this is what I'm asking for. And he was like, you know what? Um, Absolutely. Because of a well-reasoned and well-presented argument, I will allow conditional access to war and uh, the use of um, weapons in those situations. So basically it was like, very specifically, when I am defending someone who is weak or helpless, then I would have access to the war school of cleric spells. Not just not just open sc- open season. I could do it whenever I want. I wasn't trying to get <laughs> undue advantage out of the out of the arrangement, but I thought that yeah. thematically it would work.
1: It makes me think of the uh, the cyanide and happiness superheroes, and you had the mother who, anytime her child was in danger, hulked out. Yeah, and just the 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 way that she would throw her baby into danger and then run <laughs> out there. My baby. No. <laughs> So you're like, you're like, all right, kids, I need you to go run in front of the charging bull for me. (laughs) All right, now I can shoot it.
0: (laughs) I chose not to do that.
1: (laughs) Yes, that would be abuse of the trust that a GM had given you. But what I think that GM, and when I listened to it, here's what I heard, Mm -hmm. is I heard there was this idea that the GM had. Which makes sense. And you came in and said, this is a good idea. Here's how I might expand upon it. And the GM either thought, oh, I didn't think of that, or, holy crap, that makes total sense. And so you actually help them expand and deepen their world just by interacting with it and considering it. In that case, you were doing something you thought felt organic to the world.
0: And constructive. It's like improv. Yes and instead of no but. Yeah, no but is not bad. We We don't want no but. no but No
1: but. No, I don't want no but. Wait, that's is that how that song went i think its so yeah I'm, like I'm
0: pretty sure no butt is a guy that can't get no love from me <laughs> it's exactly the way i remember it <laughs> well there's your warning sign if that's exactly the way i remember it you know that's wrong Mm-mm-mm. that is wrong
1: <laughs> so so yes i all we we've kind of been all up and down and around the topic i i feel like this doesn't need as in-depth the coverage it's more like some examples, some things to watch out for. Yeah. Because we covered a lot of the what to do. We're just kind of saying, okay, now that you know some ways to approach characters in isolation, now here's how you make it not be an isolationistic exercise.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
1: And this is, this is I, I I'm going to put a controversial statement out there. <gasps> this is where my love of theory crafting and mechanical building characters actually is a huge benefit. Because if you tend to approach from a story side more often, if you build a character just for fun, odds are gonna be pretty good you have to do major changes on that character to use them in someplace else. Whereas I look at mechanics a lot of times. If I ever dry up on ideas, I can look at the mechanics and be like, would this would this mechanically fit in the game? Nah. And I have a bunch of things I can just kind of flip through and something might stick a little easier. Now it's not. good or bad I'm just saying it gives me a leg up sometimes.
0: Yeah, yeah I can see that for sure. I mean the other thing is if you get wrapped up in story without mechanical considerations then you might be crafting a character that simply doesn't work or cannot be in the system that you are playing if you're not being careful, right?
1: Kind of like we talked about Maybe last time, maybe we've talked about it at some point where in a, in some games you play a really low level character, but you write this backstory of they've been adventuring for 35 years and you, you write it so that they achieved all this greatness and then retired. And so like, but your skills. Yeah. So how come you're only 100% one. go away? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You, you, you may be rusty, but like it's a trope in storytelling that the retired adventurer can step it up when need be. They wouldn't be on the evil playing yeah. field with the first day adventurer. The sheriff, so,
0: the sheriff puts his six guns back on. Uh he's rusty, but he'll still take down an entire band of ruffians,
1: right? Yeah. So so not only do you want to consider story and mechanical Things with the the world you're trying to join, the story that you're trying to be part of, and the character you're building. But you want to see how those two pieces interact. If you're, writing, if you're writing a character who talks about how great they are interacting with people and you give them zero social skills, you, you've unbalanced something.
0: I will throw in the big old caveat there, uh, though, that it does depend on the type of game you're playing. Uh, if you are playing a purely hack and slash dungeon crawl with virtually no uh, sort of storytelling, like if that's the game that's been agreed upon by the players and the uh, the game uh, the game master, then you know that so you would be able to just purely focus on the mechanical side of your character. You know what I mean?
1: I think I get what you're saying. Yeah.
0: Like if that's the type I'm of, I'm just game saying, if play. you
1: write in your backstory that they are good at social skills, yeah, yeah, and then you don't give them any social skills, no matter what kind of game you're playing, you you've made a you've made a boo boo. It may not affect the yeah. game, but I think I feel like you, your story and your mechanics should match up and align to tell ideally, the same ideally. story.
0: It's a synthesis. It's a synthesis of the two. Yes, right, exactly,
1: and and that's that's sort of what we're doing throughout this whole month is growing from, okay, here's the character idea. Okay, Mm -hmm. now how do I fit that character or how do I fit a character into a specific game ad? And then next week we talk about how do we then connect them to the greater story, to the world itself? What Mm -hmm. things should I look for? And then in the end, like should I add people to their story that are part of the world or should I reach out to the GM and and how do I connect them to other people in the world? All that kind of stuff. So Ultimately, we're mm-hmm. spending four weeks talking about how do you put up an ad for a game, <laughs> for to join a game.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. Eh? Uh, We've even, never done that before. Not even. This is just the creating a character to do the, the game application. Yeah. We've already done the So after you listen
1: right? to this, you go, go back, back and listen to our yeah. application. And then for
0: sure. I can listen you, to you're... it again, you mean, because I have no doubt <laughs> that
1: you've already listened to it. And then you're perfect until the next time we release something that adds on to that. And then you've got to do the whole process again. We bring in someone to talk about formatting and specifically BB code on the site. So (laughs) then you listen to this series of episodes. Then you listen to the ads. Then you listen to the formatting and you've got everything Mm -hmm. until the next one. Perfect. (laughs) So we're just constantly trying to make you re-listen to everything.
0: Please. Just please listen to us.
1: Please. (laughs) Please. Please.
0: We desperately want to reviews. be part of your, <laughs> yeah.
1: Give us reviews, nice reviews. Well, five-star reviews, but say whatever you want. Yeah, just, I don't, as long as it's Genuinely,
0: do not care. If you wanted to put a recipe for banana bread in a five-star review, that would still yeah. get our full endorsement at this point.
1: If you, and just Daniel. as a random example, want to say that It's a Verb's feet stink in your five-star review... You go, You can do that.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: Nobody is going to come down on you at all for doing that.
0: Zero. All we care about there is. There would five be stars. zero legal consequences if you were to post a comment on its a verbs
1: feed. Well, now that you have left a scathing retort on its a verbs feed, it is time for adventure. Assemble! Oh my god! This part again. <laughs>
0: This is the part where K.M. sings the adventure assemble some. You can tell that he hasn't been doing this for too long because he still gets cold feet. He still cannot keep a rhythmic and consistent beat. So all we can do is assemble adventures for fun. All right. I, I recognized <laughs> that I was specifically going to go out of my way to make that rhythm not work for you on that line. And I'm, oh. I'm kind of happy with the results, if I'm being honest. Uh, I mean,
1: <laughs> let, let's be fair here. That didn't sound much different than your normal rhythm.
0: Yeah, this is oh. true. <laughs> if I had any degree of musical talent, I'd be insulted, but I don't, so I'm <laughs> fine with that.
1: A couple of times you, you've stumbled into something close to rhythm, but every time I think I've got it lined up, I'll get to, like, the last two or three bits, and it's like, nope, that came too fast, that came too slow. <laughs> Crap!
0: <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I end
1: up I end up chopping a lot of your stuff up, but it ends so, up, I mean, I am constantly surprised Some... at how it works out.
0: <laughs> Somehow, despite best Somehow. efforts.
1: Yeah, <laughs> despite how hard you try, I find a way. Like life, I find a way. So, last time on Adventure Assemble... Mm-hmm. <laughs> We decided that the broken lands that have have land literally just floating out in nothing have become a place of study. It's 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 worth studying, the, I
0: think. Yeah.
1: It's later in the world than previous adventures.
0: Unspecified like, time known, skip.
1: It's become a known phenomenon. And so a sort of shanty town as researchers from all across the area journey here to figure out what's going on. And to the point where we now have regular caravans coming in and out, trading stations are being set up, It's eventually it's more than likely going to become a city unto itself.
0: Yeah, yeah, basically and uh, on um, sort of all around. I imagine the impacted area would be, to some extent, largely circular. Um, granted, yes. it would be over a, a, just a vast distance. Um, oh,
1: I wonder if maybe a— So you've got little settlements a-
0: here and there. On each side of it with the different nations, if you will, uh, with greater presence in one or the other place, depending on the phenomenon that they're investigating.
1: Yeah. I I wonder, with the idea that this is also a just massive, but more or less perfectly circular broken area, Mm -hmm. I wonder if that is somehow relevant. Because the only other major feature we've talked about the shape of is the hole. And that we talked about was perfectly circular.
0: I, th- I kind of get it, the impression in my mind that whatever irregularities to the actual impact crater, which tend to be mostly circular just by nature, um, would also have been like the techno-organic entity or uh, life form that was in it. I think they also created uh, constructs around it, which would have amplified the sort of circular nature of that, of that mm. central area but so i think there's this, probably this, ra- there's probably radiation and risk of technoorganic infection if you get too close
1: yeah i'm just i'm just i'm just i'm liking this idea that something there's a greater organization working over all this that's causing these some seemingly random or what normally would be irregular areas to have more regularity to them
0: i wonder if the original technoorganic organism was you remember Edric basically convinced itself convinced it to pack itself up and go away?
1: Mm-hmm. I
0: wonder if that sort of set it uh, shut it down, but now it's sort of rebooting. Or yeah, it's, like
1: it went into a stasis for some time, and something kind of jiggled the mouse, and so now it's yeah. waking up again. That could be
0: maybe a comet went by or a satellite of some kind, and sort of sent out a passive signal, and now this thing is just like. Or maybe maybe or
1: stopped could by and tried to fix things again. And
0: maybe had, the elves from. did something or maybe the elves did something with the slab of malediction, finally. Maybe, maybe they maybe, and it somehow interacted with that.
1: Yeah, maybe maybe the the interaction of the slab of malediction with the the cursed goblet, that magical interference threw out magical waves. Something and it's creating some kind of interference. Oh, it could be.
0: Well, that's be the beauty of on. an unspecified time skip. We ain't gotta yes. explain nothing. Not it yet, happened. anyway.
1: Yeah, <laughs> or ever if we don't feel like it. Yes, you know, I mean, we frankly, did this for
0: us. Yeah, whatever. If we don't feel like it, then <laughs> if you don't like we can it. Walk. Go
1: find another podcast. Please
0: don't go anywhere else. Yeah, there are no other podcasts.
1: <laughs> but the the only issue right now is that, unbeknownst to this relatively maybe peaceful shantytown and researchers are all around this area
0: i figure it's like the wild west in that there's a tenuous peace but yeah. because they're on the edge of the unknown there there's a lot of sort of pent up anxiety inherent in that culture right
1: yeah yeah and maybe maybe that maybe we get our first like gun
0: <gasps> maybe 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 we
1: have lawmen lawmen and women showing up and kind of appointing themselves to keep the peace
0: once Which we get to character important. creation we'll find out
1: yeah. It's going to be important because there is a band of gnolls
0: coming
1: in search of their missing, maybe fallen, comrade. Uh, why don't you tell remind us of that name?
0: Goran Hachismo, Baker Barbarian.
1: Yes, the, the famed half gnoll, half gnoll mm-hmm. in search of the perfect cookie recipe.
0: Now, because of the time skip, I wonder if this is... Um her companions or if these are descendants or maybe people who have, you know how, like um I'm thinking Mad Max where Mad Max has taken on a sort of mythical status to the children that he uh, flew away in the third movie, right? Where yeah. she's now sort of become this figure of legend perhaps to them. Yeah. If it's I enough think, of a I time. I think we scape-
1: did some, I think we did some, uh, theorizing on why they thought this we may even come to a conclusion but until they actually show up we can't know anything for certain
0: yeah we just know that they are on their way with a focused intention and we don't know if they're peaceful
1: and and it's definitely not just a way for us to cover up the fact that it's been a while since we were last recorded <laughs> Certainly and not. haven't why listened would you or even remember that? what we said last that's time. Crazy. So please stop sending me those emails. Stop mm-hmm. asking if that's why we're doing it this way. It's not what's going on. <laughs> anyway, let's throw out a random quest. Like, why would our people be doing stuff? Mm-hmm. Yes, there's a threat of... Just like last time, there was a threat of trolls, but that's not necessarily what we were there for.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Let me... Alright, you got a D10 handy?
0: You know what? I totally do. I totally have a D10. And I know I, you normally don't care about the, me my description of the dice, except this time I'm going to point out that I received a gift. So I am going to be rolling an obsidian D10, as in... My dice are made of obsidian. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm
1: sorry, what'd you say? Mm -hmm. I I was just waiting for you to give me a number.
0: So, rolling on my obsidian die with the chromatic uh, inlaid numbers, I got a three. Oh my god,
1: you sent me a picture of them?
0: Yeah, so you know that I'm not just making this up. (laughs) They're a very fancy gift,
1: my friend. Oh, my God.
0: They're quite heavy. and You can't roll them together because they tend to chip. So they've <laughs> got their own individual compartments. It's like a pillbox for my dice. It's crazy. Oh, yeah.
1: That's what old people need.
0: More pillboxes. My players were like, this is part <laughs> gift and also part uh, supplication that we don't die to the giant mouth in the cavern. <laughs> that was the note in the in the thing. That's what, that's what your kids did? No, it was, the, it was the friends who were playing in the game as well. So I told them that in gratitude, their characters would die swiftly and painlessly.
1: Yeah. All right. You'll die right before the cavern. No big deal.
0: Yeah. I'm not familiar with how gratitude works, if I'm being completely honest. but
1: Well, they said not in the cavern with the mouth. So hey. just kill them right before. But oh, Or have have a random NPC run by and shoot them right before the mouth gets them.
0: Some completely <laughs> random dude. It's like, Pew. Yeah. what? But a tree falls over. You're dead. <laughs> Well, that's hey, tremendously unsatisfying.
1: You said not in the cavern. I, I just was—I was giving you exactly. What are, you are
0: you in asked. the cavern? No, you're not. So, letter of the. Boom. Lo- I'm just what? saying, if you want to be a rules <laughs> lawyer, you got to step up the work. All
1: right. All right. So why don't you carefully roll your super special, but super fragile dice and <laughs> give me a d10? Uh,
0: I did roll a three.
1: All right. I have. A cunning ex-adventurer named Edis seeks adventurers to escort the celestial book oh. of Aristos safely to the dwarven village. Hmm. I'm not saying that name.
0: Just the dwarven <laughs> village. Just the dwarven village.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna. I'll, I'll drop it in here for you.
0: Dwarven village, Good buddy home except Whatever. if it were gudbiri home it would have an umlaut over the u so uh, i trust that you'll fix that I, before the next episode <laughs> cunning ex adventurer named edis seeks a company of adventurers to escort the celestial book of aristos safely to the dwarven village of gudbiri good, good home so
1: so is this a is this go with the slab of malediction
0: i think so i think because dwarves with their technical expertise have been part of the contingent that's uh researching the impact site on this whatever particular side of the area we're dealing with. Some of them have gotten the impression that it may be related somehow to the stolen slab of malediction. And whatever the nature of that magic item it is, they feel that it is prudent to have the Celestial Book of Aristos um, delivered to the village, which I'm going to assume the village is the name That of the little crossroads town that they're starting to set up around the impact site. Whatever the nature of the book is, it is somehow there to protect against or counter the effects of the Slab of Malediction.
1: Okay, so so these are the dwarves from the island with the nymphs, Mm -hmm. and they're trying to get people to safely bring this book to their outpost at this...
0: Impact site.
1: ...important site, because they think it might be valuable to figuring out what's going on.
0: Either they have reason to believe, or they suspect that just in case the slab of malediction is involved, it may be prudent to have the book of Ar- the celestial book of Aristos on hand. If we knew what either of those things did, then we might be able to elaborate <laughs> on that.
1: Yep, definitely.
0: But I was thinking uh-huh. about the slab of malediction the other day. I was Uh-oh. thinking, it, it's ancient to the dwarves, so I'm thinking... It must be ancient beyond the dwarves, as in they did not invent it; they found the slab. It existed long before them. It was ancient when their race was young, and they know some of the uses of it, but they don't know all of it, and they don't know its origin or purpose in full. If that makes sense to you?
1: Yeah, they—they they sort of—it's sort of like the 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 common trope of the precursor race mm-hmm. sets up a bunch of stuff. Someone finds it early on, becomes a part of their racial identity, yeah. and they don't fully understand it, but they can make use of parts of it. So, yeah. A little Stargate.
0: Yeah, for example. Yeah, for sure.
1: Hmm. Okay. Okay.
0: So, they, yeah, cunning ex-adventurer named Edis. So, Edis then is an older person, isn't it? Or already a veteran, which is not our character, because we're not creating our character. For, uh, Another for today's episode, <laughs> well, get around to it. What? Get off my back! Yeah. <laughs> but I think that makes sense. Like they're they're making efforts to create a permanent village on the edge of the broken lands, which is good bit at home.
1: I I can't remember where I first got that name for the random magic item that we used. Yeah, and so I was just kind of looking around. I found this one, mm-hmm. and it's called the quiver of fortune of the fortune teller and its effect is every time you're hit by a monster you glimpse a random image of its future or past, which I think is just cool.
0: That is kind of cool, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: random aside, it doesn't, doesn't apply to anything, but I was just like, oh, cool.
0: <laughs> furthermore, the slab of malediction, uh, the elves didn't fully understand it. That's why they had to study it. Uh, and they knew that an ancient dragon would have the ability to decipher it. So I'm—I th- don't know. I—I I wonder if it's draconic, or mm. or if it's an uh, from somewhere so like else. Maybe in time.
1: dragons were the precursor race, and then they became too infused with magic to readily associate. So they created the other races, and but that leaves behind these various artifacts around the world from maybe. when they were doing stuff because they. We we know that they see and interact with magic differently, right. Than normal races,
0: mm-hmm. sort of like they're seeing. You know, if you're if you're thinking on terms of uh, vision, where humans see in the the visible spectral range, but then there's yeah. also infrared and ultraviolet on either side of that. Maybe in a similar magical vein, beyond the standard um, vision of detect magic, if you will. You yeah. know, dragons can see. Outside of the the normal uh, knowable range of magic,
1: mm-hmm. yeah they 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 are able to they are able to read the ebb and flow of magic as well as we any of us would a book.
0: Yeah, and now it's sort of
1: like it makes me think of and and I hate hate bringing this up because I hate bringing light to this guy, but it sort of makes me think of naming in the the name of the Wind series that Patrick Rothfuss has been okay. supposedly finishing. Don't know it. Makes it. Me th- well, the whole idea is like there's a hard magic system which is called sympathy, which is mm-hmm. you can create a link between two objects, and how similar they are and how connected they are determines how much power is lost in trying to exert pressure on one through the other. Okay. So, like, if I break a penny in half, they have a very e a very good likeness they're connected inherently because they used to be one Mm -hmm. and so if i imagine them as still the same penny i can use lift one half and it lifts both of them because you're lifting the same weight
0: okay sure
1: but if i use that broken penny to then try and you know lift a human like they didn't used to be the same thing they don't look the same there's no good connection so to lift the penny i'm going to be lifting more than like four or five times the weight of the human i'm trying to lift if i can even make a good connection so you've got this hard magic system and then they have naming which is a they call it a sleeping mind thing where you kind of perceive things at a fundamental level and you're able to speak the arcane name of them to shape them in various ways and so like something like the name of the wind yeah. is harder to grasp because it's always moving, always changing. But if you can get used to seeing it that way, you're able to then direct it and do various things with it.
0: Okay. Sounds and so a... I kind of
1: see dragons magical vision like that. They're able to more readily tap into and twist magic to their whims because they can always kind of see the flow of it and they're able to then, okay, well, I want this piece and I want this piece and I want them to flow together like this. So they kind of create a new word, a new magic out of that.
0: Okay, And that was why they were going after those eyes in order to be able to understand more fully the slab of malediction.
1: You know, to connect this even more to our previous story, mm-hmm. since it kind of seems it's all coming from that a little bit at the end of our last one, Mondrak, the sailor sorcerer of wetness mm-hmm. kind of gave himself to the sea and became part elemental being. You remember that?
0: I do remember that. Yeah.
1: Okay. I was I was, I was waiting for either a, okay. Or, or no, I was just waiting to see that. what you're going to
0: okay. s- set up next there.
1: <laughs> no, I, I'm I'm used to you interjecting so much that I was like, wait. I don't
0: think that's true. Did you cut out? No. Nope.
1: <laughs> Threw me off. I believe when you didn't you're have mistaken. Something to say. <laughs> but so he kind of he kind of became part magical being. Yeah. And so perhaps because of where he did that in the presence of a dragon, he became part, you know, quintessential element of the world. Mm-hmm. Perhaps he was let in on some of the secrets of things that are going on and kind of whispered this into that ex adventurer. Perhaps Edis had some connection to weather or to water. And so okay. that created that connection there. And so he was able to say, Hey, uh, this is a thing we should definitely check this out. You might want to keep an eye on it. And then do you then think Edis- we could, uh,
0: do you think we could quickly figure out what type of character Edis is, what type of race or class? Because it might help sure. us tie him or her or it into the into the story a bit more fully. Hmm. Just to figure out how Mondrak was able to, or why Mondrak was willing to connect with this person.
1: I don't want to use the same. Let's see if I can find a new generator. Random class generator. I want something a little more...
0: We also want not. a random race, too.
1: Yeah. Well, I think it doesn't have to be a dwarf or a nymph, since they're coming from that place.
0: Sure. This is more like, it's not necessary, but it's just like, just if we want to figure out why Mondrak would reach that uh, character. And then next week, we would be able to figure out who the adventurers are that Edis is uh, reaching out to.
1: Oh my gosh. So I I, I went to a random 5E generator. I'm like, I'll try it. I normally default to Pathfinder, but let's give something else. And this gave me a druid criminal. So maybe they they did something bad and they were exiled to this island. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, this lists them as a furbolg.
0: furbolg? Okay, yep, furbolg, kind of like.
1: And their guiding aspect: the sea is a constant.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a druid <laughs> criminal furbolg who is in tune with the sea.
1: Yeah, I, w- I was like, what? H- how does this come out so perfect? Circle of the land druid.
0: Probably coastal or. Um... Or C for their specialized terrain type. I would imagine.
1: So maybe they were. Maybe they're a criminal, but like wrongly so.
0: Yeah, a criminal can have a number of yeah.
1: So so they hundred. ran. They ran away to get you know some distance between themselves and whatever was causing them problem. Ended up on this island that the nymphs and the dwarves were on, and just found a piece of land away from everything. Or and just or, yeah. Or
0: whether rightly or wrongly accused of crime. The Firbolg tries to escape. Part of the escape leads them out to sea because he's a, uh, he or she is a druid of the of the water and knows that that's the way to escape. While out at sea, that's when Mondrak manifests or appears to them and mm. gives them a direction.
1: Yeah, Seek may- may out Edis says, in the, well, and, and yeah. maybe it's not even maybe it's not perfectly clear mm-hmm. right away because we know there's time skip. Sure. So, so maybe it's it's something cryptic, and you know, keep on the keep an eye out for type things, or you know, danger is coming. The giant rock, you know, because yeah, Mondrak is is still new to this ostensibly during this time, still trying to adjust to it, and in the in the length of time of the oceans and the seas, mm-hmm. like a few years is nothing. So,
0: or alternately, yeah. has been long enough that that Mondrak is losing touch with the mortal mind, Mm. you know, and is no longer able to communicate clearly.
1: Yeah. So for whatever reason, we don't know necessarily yet, whatever reason, the, the warning is cryptic, but it's enough that when, when Edis lands, they meditate on it. They think about it. And eventually they catch wind of this slab of malediction that was taken. Maybe, Maybe the dwarves and the nymphs are, are readying for a full-out assault on each other. they both thinking that the other did something to them because, you know, people infiltrated from the dwarven side, uh, you know, a half-dwarf mm-hmm. was one of the people, and the dwarves had, you know, this thing that they didn't know about disappear, Yeah, and then it's showing up other places, the story leads back here. So maybe they're, maybe there's a conflict brewing. Edith kind of steps in is like, wait no this is this is fate i i know of what you speak and in speaking some words that the dwarves recognize is able to calm things enough to say this is this is the way it needs to be i need to find people to do this
0: maybe the words that he speaks are come from the slab of malediction words that only the high priest of the dwarves would know
1: yeah it so, says I, I i you will know me you will know my truth by the word these words and maybe that's all maybe that's all mondrak was able to say you know he got mm-hmm. you know conflict and got this and then got speak the words and then said some something arcane off. thing
0: something off something that it knows from the slab because of uh, or it's a
1: description of the slab from the celestial book of aristos and that's how they connect the two they're like oh wait this person's got some information
0: so mondrak had uh was close to the slab of malediction when the elves were got waylaid by the dragon, um, became a creature of element at that time. So was mm-hmm. influenced by the whole magical locus of things going on. Mm-hmm. So his knowledge of the slab now goes somewhere beyond the realm of normal mar- mortal awareness.
1: Right, it can't be all-encompassing no. like a pure elemental or a dragon would be, but he because was there of that when, confluence of events, just becomes very specific about this one thing.
0: And now something is happening that Mondrak is reaching out to someone that he feels is worthy or right or destined for um, mm-hmm. for the the event. Now we've got this Firbolg druid of the land, uh, druid of the land a criminal whether rightly or wrongly accused we don't know um mm-hmm. and that is edis and now edis has to reach out to the dwarves to get the celestial book of aristos and a band of adventurers to safely accompany him and the book to goodby home on the edge of the broken lands
1: mhm and maybe maybe is like we talked about, it maybe being a specific section of this research circle. Maybe it's also an outpost between mm-hmm. the island and the the research area, and so you're just trying to get it that direction. Yeah. So, so still a lot to figure out, but I think we got a good hook mm. on the direction things are going. I like yeah. incorporating things from other yeah, past from things past, uh... when we can remember them because that's <laughs> it's fun and it creates a <laughs> it creates a little fun interaction,
0: an ongoing. Yeah, it continuity. If you will,
1: yeah, uh, something you know, whatever that dirty word
0: is. <laughs> so far, our continuity is more consistent than DC Comics.
1: Oh-ho! Boom! Sing. That means at the end of that means when we hit a big apocalyptic event, Redcon! we gotta reset, and start over. We have an
0: event, and we undo everything.
1: <laughs> Edris gonna be like, "Look, I I have to go to the devil and wish to undo everything so I can get my ring back."
0: <laughs> Edris is Batman now. <laughs> Edis is Batman now. Yeah. Uh, yep. Edric is Spider-Man and he's no longer married because the devil Uh, and shut up and give us your money and zombies of course zombies no explanation given whatsoever just and zombies zombies are popular right yeah the kids love the zombies
1: (laughs) well I think with that Perfectly clear mm. line of our random quest connected to everything else. No ambiguity yeah. at all.
0: No, it's perfect.
1: I think that's all. Anything else you wanna hit?
0: I have got no other thing that I would like to discuss.
1: Alright, well then I think we done. We done. I, I tell people, don't do that, or I'm going to bite you. They do it. I bite them. Simply I'm the bad, the bad guy, guy? somehow. What? Yeah, what? I said I was don't pretty do clear. It. Yeah, it was very clear that if you do this, I'm going to do that. Just yeah, because it's... you don't want that exactly. now, you, you had made the choice. You gave but... me consent by doing the thing. I said is going to cause me to do this.
0: Yeah, it's like if you put up a sign that says "trespassers will be violated." Somehow, you're the bad guy.